Right Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we're going to talk with Tahera Rahman, who is a reporter for WHBF Television in Rock Island, Illinois. She is the first full-time television reporter to wear a hijab on air. We're going to talk about what reaction she has gotten to that decision, how she feels about being herself and insisting that she be allowed to be herself on a television news program and other issues that surround folks of Muslim belief and the challenges that they have just acting and being normal in a society that still looks at them too often as if they are different or somehow unacceptable. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that segment, which will get started at about half past the hour. Up first today, journalists have reported often over the past year or so that National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster was a steadying force at the White House, has been said he wasn't afraid to push back against the president on issues of foreign policy and engagement. But it's also been reported that McMaster's approach did not fit very well in President Donald Trump's chaotic style of governing, one that often pits so-called globalists against nationalists and war hawks. Now, McMaster is out as head of the National Security Council. Trump has tapped John Bolton, a mustachioed firebrand for American interest above all else, and a noted foe of the United Nations. Bolton served as ambassador to the U.N. under President George W. Bush. He has also been vocal about his interest in challenging Iran, perhaps even prodding our countries into war. Who is John Bolton and how likely is he to change the way the White House approaches foreign relations? Joining us now to talk more about John Bolton and U.S. foreign policy, which appears to be in some state of incredible flux right now, is Saeed Khan, a lecturer in Near Eastern and Asian Studies at Wayne State University. Saeed, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks. Yeah. So uh, important information for our listeners uh, you are just returning from a trip uh, that that is sort of close to the the center of this discussion. Tell us about that. Yeah, I just got back from uh, Geneva, Switzerland, which, uh, as you know, has one of the two uh, headquarters of the United Nations. Yes. And uh, John Bolton was, in fact, uh, the U.S. Uh, ambassador to the United Nations from August 2005 to December 2006. But it's important to remember that he was only a recess appointment. He was, in fact, rejected at his confirmation hearing because he was considered to be too toxic and too opinionated. One of the statements that he made which incriminated himself in those confirmation hearings is he said that if he had his way, he would chop off the top 10 floors of the United Nations. Yeah. So this shows a certain level of contempt not only for a uh, an international organization which does a tremendous amount of good around the world, but also his contempt for international organizations as a whole. He really has a problem with globalism, and he has a rather warped sense of American exceptionalism. Uh, this is this is someone who I think of as, and I'm going to be careful about how I how I say this. I mean, I think of him as a rather detestable character on the international stage, and I think of that because, or I guess I come to that conclusion because of the things he's been involved in uh, in the past. This is someone who, first of all, is intimately tied up in the idea that there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq that uh, were used as a false predicate for the war uh, there. This is someone whose 
policies and actions in Central and South America in the past have really concerned me. I mean, the, the idea that you would reach to this person as a replacement for H.R. McMaster is not just a radical departure from uh, the kind of diplomacy that we've had for a long time. I mean, it is a uh, it is an upending of that diplomacy. Am I wrong in, in, in concluding that? No, Stephen. In fact, this is the big question that people around the world ask when they look at the United States and they look at various uh, officials taking uh, positions like uh, the National Security Advisor role. Uh, either they will see uh, the United States through the lens of hypocrisy, that on the one hand, it talks a really good game, that we're really out there to save the world, to advance democracy, to advance all of these high platitudes and virtues, and that not necessarily happening. After all, case in point, there's the election uh, today in Egypt, and we are fully supporting uh, Abdel Fattah Sisi, who mm -hmm. uh, uh, came in after there was a democratically elected Mohamed Morsi, who's sitting in jail right now there. Uh, they look at that through really a, a hypocritical lens that we say one thing, but we actually act in a different way. Or they're going to see uh, somebody who is a true believer who espouses American values. Bolton is really neither. He is certainly not a hypocrite. He's not saying one thing and doing another, but he really represents an anomaly. This kind of hawkishness, this kind of dogma is uh, is really unprecedented. I mean, to the point where he may replace uh, Henry Kissinger as the most odious person to ever be the NSA. Uh, Kissinger's biography will certainly be, and his legacy will certainly be, one that is rather sordid, allegations of him being a war criminal. But what Bolton represents... Uh, is really, as you said, a departure from all of that. And so if you put this into the context of the things that we've seen unfold in this White House just over the last few weeks, right, uh, the, the replacing of the CIA director with someone who was involved pretty intimately with the torture uh, of, of prisoners during the during the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, uh, th th this new overture that... Uh, that President Trump has made uh, to Kim Jong-un saying, hey, we will meet with you after years, decades of American policy saying, look, that's the wrong thing to do. It's not going to achieve the things that that uh, that you think it is. Uh, Bolton sort of fitting into that picture makes me even more concerned, I guess, about how radically they might shift American policy. Yeah, I mean, you've got two things. You've got a group of ideologues in there. You've got Gina Haspel, who is uh, right now the uh, CIA uh, interim director, uh, mm -hmm. soon to be confirmed, uh, at least the process going forward to confirm her as CIA director, who, as you said, uh, has some very uh, disturbing connections to torture mm -hmm. uh, um, in, in the past. We have her uh, pr uh, predecessor, Mike Pompeo, moving over to ostensibly the uh, State Department, somebody who is hawkish uh, in, in very much the same vein as uh, as is uh, Bolton, and which, of course, is rather ironic given the fact that the State Department is our nation's uh, branch of diplomacy. Uh, and then you have John Bolton as a national security advisor. Now, this really shows two things. One is a move away from moderate voices like H.R. Mm -hmm. McMaster, mm -hmm. the NSA, and also Rex Tillerson as the Secretary of State. But you also have a great level of sycophancy. There is not going to be much pushback on what the president wants, and it, that seems to really be the way that the president wants it. He doesn't want anybody to challenge him, and he doesn't want anyone to provide him with advice, which would either be 
too much intellectual heavy lifting or one which would grate against his own ideological lens by which he sees the world. And this is perhaps the dream team for that. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Saeed Khan, lecturer in Near Eastern and Asian Studies at Wayne State University. Uh, we have him in frequently to talk about foreign policy in particular uh, around the globe and how it plays out in the White House and other institutions here in this country. We are talking today about the appointment of John Bolton, a real firebrand to be the National Security Advisor, a replacement for H.R. McMaster, who was someone who was seen as a calming influence, or at least a potentially calming influence, on some of the chaos that is surrounding President Trump, especially on the foreign policy front. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. 1019. What do you think of the appointment of John Bolton? What do you think of the changes that uh, the president has made to the CIA over the last uh, couple of weeks? Is this a White House that has found its footing and now is poised to take us in a really dramatically different diplomatic direction? And what do you think that direction will be? And will it be beneficial to the United States and other people around the world if that unfolds. Again, as always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. It's interesting, uh, Saeed, that you mentioned the sort of strong personality dynamic uh, around the president. In other words, that the, the people who have these strong personalities don't last long because the president doesn't particularly care for people who will challenge him. He doesn't particularly care for people who are going to question the things that he's going to do. Bolton, in the past, though, has been somebody who, I mean, there's no question he has a strong personality. There's no question he has a lot of confidence about uh, his vision of the world and the, the, the fact that U.S. policy ought to reflect that. Is that a potential conflict with Trump as well. In other words, could he have the same problem that McMaster had, even though uh, the two of them have really different visions of what our foreign policy ought to look like? There are two areas uh, which I see potential trouble and conflict with, uh, with, with the president. Number one is North Korea. Uh, on the one hand, uh, at least on its face, uh, we have Bolton being extremely critical of North Korea, in fact, even calling for preemptive strike. Right. That uh, seems to be more in line with Trump 1.0. Uh, Trump 2.0 when it comes to North Korea is about having a rapprochement, at least giving the, uh, the pretense and the appearance of having some kind of a negotiation. So that is a big open question to see how we move forward with, Pyongyang, uh, with Pyongyang. At the same time, perhaps the area of greatest uh, issue may be over Russia. Uh, Bolton has been a very ardent critic of Putin, and uh, let's say that the president has been anything but. Mm -hmm. So that might then be an area where we find some uh, friction. Now, Bolton is also quite uh, shrewd, and he knows when to push the right buttons and when not to. So what I would probably predict is that he will fall into line with uh, Trump on the issue of Russia. He's not going to go ahead and... Uh, pull the tiger by the tail or say anything that's going to be overtly antagonistic, and he will focus on some of these other areas. And in the case of Trump, given the fact that he doesn't really like to have a multiverse of issues on his plate, I would predict that uh, Bolton will keep emphasizing Iran 
and de-emphasize some of his misgivings regarding uh, uh, Russia and some of his apprehensions on uh, North Korea. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that uh, preemptive strike about uh, against North Korea. Gene in Detroit is, is uh, waiting on the line, and I'm going to jump ahead here to him uh, so he can ask his question about that. Gene, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, good morning, Stephen. Uh, that was exactly what I wanted to ask your guest about, uh, the, uh, how Bolton has uh, written an article making the case for a preemptive strike. And uh, I'd also wish he'd uh, talk some about uh, uh, the Iran uh, deal uh, for them staying away so far mm-hmm. from uh, developing their nuclear technology. I'll get off the line. And yeah. Gene, on. as always, thanks for the call. And the questions. Uh, let's start with the North Korea preemptive strike. I mean, that this, this strikes me as one of these just harebrained kind of things that that hawkish people like to say. They know that it's not going to happen. They know it wouldn't achieve the goals that they think it would. But generally, they say it when they're outside of of power. Now, this is a guy who who could make that happen, I suppose, if uh, if he really wanted to. Well, I mean, Bolton was advancing this uh, on Fox News, and we know that the president gets most of his briefings from Fox News. And now we find that uh, Bolton is on the other side of the TV screen from what sure. Trump was watching. Uh, I think in many ways, uh, what Bolton will represent in, in, in Trump's uh, mindset and how to proceed with North Korea is a shot across the bows that uh, Kim Jong-un and the rest of the leadership in Pyongyang will now recognize and have to acknowledge that somebody who is that hawkish on North Korea is one of the pieces on the chessboard that Trump has and would be ostensibly willing to deploy if need be. Whether that is then going to be seen as a shrewd move to advance the need toward deep cuts and deep compromises in the negotiation process remains to be seen. One thing I think is pretty much what we can all decide is that North Korea is not going to dismantle its nuclear program. Mm-hmm. So short of that, I'm not sure what the strategy is that Washington wants to put forward when it comes to the negotiation. Now, on the issue of Iran, this is uh, an individual who is very opinionated about Iran. Uh, we have to remember that, in fact, he still believes that not, uh, that Iran was responsible in some way or capacity with 9-11. We also know that he is and has been uh, a paid uh, speaker, participant, maybe even lobbyist for MEK, the Mujahideen e Khalq, which until 2009 was a designated terrorist organization by the, Uni- uh, the European Union and until 2012 by the United States. This is an organization which sees itself as a counter-revolutionary organization. Uh, some of its other patrons in Washington include Rudy Giuliani, the mm-hmm. former mayor of New York, and they have very ardently tried to make the case which is what MEK is making, that there needs to be a regime change yesterday in Tehran. That's something that Bolton is trying to advance. Now, regime change may not be able to occur uh, with the CIA as what the CIA did in 1953 with Iran, but at the same time, there will be now cover for Trump to say that we need to dismantle or at least walk away from the P5 plus one nuclear deal. Uh, that in and of itself is problematic for two reasons. One, uh, Iran has been designated by everyone involved uh, to be in compliance with the deal. Mm-hmm. And two, in the absence of the deal, will this then just simply be seen as, again, cover for some kind of military action in Iran? After all, we just had recently the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, 
in Washington as well as in London, close ties with uh, uh, the president's son-in-law, with both him and with the crown prince of the United Arab Emirates, Mohammed bin uh, Ziyad, uh, a sale of billions of dollars of arms to both. In fact, uh, the president had a very nice uh, easel showing all the big uh, purchases that Saudi Arabia was making of uh, American <laughs> weaponry. So there's a lot of money that's involved. There's a lot of uh, defense contracts that are involved. And there is, unfortunately, a lot of appetite to not only make Iran a scapegoat, but make it a military target. Yeah. Uh, you know, before before we wrap, I want to ask you about <clears throat> this this situation with North Korea and the sort of extremes, I guess, that we're at. So John Bolton says the solution there is a preemptive strike. Donald Trump has said, I think the solution, at least in part, is sitting down with Kim Jong-un as an equal and talking with him about the, the disputes that we that we might have. And and in in a way, both both answers, both options seem wrong. <laughs> they seem like the wrong step. What is, though, the right step to be taking with North Korea to move it to a more productive space in terms of this relationship with South Korea, with us, with our, our allies? Well, I think there's an even wronger step that could be uh, on, on, the, on the table, and that is to go ahead and provide this ploy of negotiation and diplomacy. And if those break down, then serve as a justification to say, well, we tried, and now we're going to take a military option. The best case scenario here is actually maintaining the status quo. Maybe if we are lucky to have some kind of agreements uh, with North Korea that they will not take aggressive postures such as testing uh, some of their ballistic missiles in directions of some of our allies like Japan and South Korea, have some kind of enfranchisement for North Korea uh, into the global community, into the global uh, economy, which are things that it seems as though it craves. But even that is a double-edged sword. I would say that if North Korea is seen as being uh, too welcomed into the international community, that might have diminishing returns for the North Korean population, which now for generations has always defi- has, has been defining itself as seeing the rest of the world as hostile to it. Mm-hmm. If they see their leader now cozying up to the rest of the world, it's going to cause them to scratch their heads and wonder why is he now seemingly even selling out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, I want to I want to ask about uh, what you see for the sort of immediate future of this administration, uh, given these changes. Right. Uh, John Bolton coming in, a change at the head of the CIA. Is this an administration that is really going to deliver on the sort of threats that I guess this this seems to to, to raise? Or is there just a kind of leavening that eventually takes place that restrains us from those things. Well, I think the problem that we have to uh, also acknowledge, and in the light of yesterday's 60 Minutes interview, is that uh, the person who really holds a lot of the cards is not Putin, it's not Kim Jong-un, it is not uh, Rouhani in Iran, it may be uh, Bob Mueller. Mm -hmm. That uh, the president has made several statements to say that what we need to unite us is something big happening. Uh, We also know that uh, the idea of wag the dog is still a possibility. Will there then be some kind of a military strike in order to divert and deflect attention from what seems to be the impending, and here comes the pun, storm of Miller and his investigation? Yeah. 
Okay, up next, we are going to speak with Tahara Rahman. I want to thank Saeed Khan, lecturer in Near Eastern and Asian Studies at Wayne State, for being here. As a, always, a great influence and voice here on Detroit Today. Thanks so much, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, also, don't forget, if you have to miss a little of the program, you don't have to miss out entirely on the conversation. You can always go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you and listen when you are ready. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. Thank you.